0: Hello and welcome to the Greenhouse Church Podcast. My name is Benj Gould and I'm the lead pastor. We are all about creating an environment where anyone can follow the way of Jesus. So we hope that this teaching helps you on your way. Uh, (laughs) So I've never met anyone who loves Australia more than my grandfather. So, my Nunu, as I called him, uh, was born in 1920s, mafia-run Sicily, in a small village. He was the youngest of, I think, 11 children um, in a peasant family. And he stopped his schooling when he was six years old and started working for the family as a shepherd. And he used to tell me how much he hated the donkeys because they used to buck him, which is pretty brutal. And so when he was a young adult in the 1950s, he packed up his life into a single suitcase and got on a boat to Australia. And here he worked hard, he took English lessons, he wrote to my nonna and convinced her to come and marry him and join him here. They had four children and they managed to buy a large house on the northern beaches. Must be very nice. He very much lost touch with the common man. So much so that a few years after he left, one of his brothers wrote to him and asked him to come back home. And he responded by saying, I sleep in crisp, clean cotton sheets. I'm never going back to sleeping in hay. So he'd found the good life. He had achieved the great Australian dream. He did not want to go back. So where am I up to in achieving this great Australian dream, in finding the good life? Well, at the ripe old age of 24, with my whole life ahead of me, I've got the uni degree, I've got the husband, I've got the dog. I've got the house with the white picket fence. We are only renting, but it literally has a white picket fence. Um, I've got that double income, no kids money. I've only got one car, though. I haven't travelled to Europe yet, but we did go to the Maldives in March. We went out to dinner on Friday night and last night and last weekend so you might think that I'm doing pretty well or you might think that I'm well behind where you were at my age but am I really doing well that might have sounded like a long list of brags but this morning what I want you to hear is my confession that I have an idol that needs reordering Because have you noticed that our culture loves to applaud us when we accumulate more things? The bigger home, the second car, the overseas holiday. People congratulate us on getting ahead. The accumulation of things and experiences is a sign of a success to us. But is it a sign of success to God? Or has he called us to more? So, Matthew 6, 25 to 34... This is a goodie. It says this. I'm reading from the NIV. There's, um, there's Bibles in front of you as well if you want to check that out. I think it will be a slightly different version, but it's the same, same stuff. It says this from verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow, they do not labour or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendour was dressed like one of these. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Brief break. I did that into the microphone, sorry. (laughs) So this series, uh, talking about idols, so the things that we put in the place of God, it's quite confronting, personally, uh, because it's really easy to say that you're not committing idolatry when you're not literally bowing down to some gold-calf statue. Um, But I think the true idols in our lives are far more subtle, far easier to brush off as nothing and far easier for the enemy to use against us. Tim Keller says, an idol is anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God and anything that you seek to give you what only God can give. And people often use this passage that I just read in Matthew as instruction on how to be free from worry. But worry isn't not isn't what I want to focus on today because I don't think that worry is the idol. I think that worry is the symptom. If we didn't make these things more important in our lives than they should be, we probably wouldn't worry about them so much. Worry is not the idol, worry is the symptom. And so it's not as simple as to just say, don't worry. Instead, it's important that we diagnose why we worry about these things. I actually think that the idol here is comfort and control. Comfort and control. And this is so ingrained into our culture. I think that these two things, comfort and control, are the pillars of the shameless materialism that we have come to just accept as normal. John Nash says, we have created a culture that has one overriding message. We do not yet have all we need to be satisfied. The answer, we are told, is to have, see, be and do even more. Always more. But when you read through the passages of the Bible, every page, every book, every section, the message from God is very clear. Be different, think different and act different to the world around us. And so while the world is saying that the way to get ahead, the way to be happy, the way to live the dream or achieve the good life is to get the bigger house, the better car, the European ooh, the European holiday, the ski trip, the side hustle, uh, the moments that look good on Instagram, the world's tastiest brunch, the newest craft beer, verse 32, the pagans run after these things. Jesus says, don't worry about that stuff. Verse 34, seek first his kingdom and righteousness and these things will be given to you as well. Don't get me wrong, I'm into all of those things that I just listed. Remember, this is my confession. But There's nothing inherently wrong with any of these things and Jesus doesn't say that either. Not, he doesn't give those specific examples but he says that he'll give us these things. We don't need to stress, just put everything in the right order. Seek first his kingdom. Um, I think there's a danger here in accidentally reading this as permission to follow Jesus so that he gives us these things. Um, that's not what he says. He says, and these things will be given to you. What he's asking is that we would have a higher ambition than the Australian dream. He asks that our greatest ambition would be for his kingdom to come, for justice and mercy to reign, and for us to be in intimate relationship with him. You're welcome. So what is it that you seek? C.S. Lewis says, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. If, you're, if all you're chasing is the Australian dream, you will always end up dissatisfied. We're chasing something that will always require more and more and more of us. The goalposts are constantly changing. We'll be chasing the next house, the next car, the next dog and going, well, this thing didn't do the trick, but maybe the next one will. And this one didn't do it, but maybe the next one will. We can accumulate more and more things, more experiences, more, 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 and more, and find that the only kingdom that we've sought after is our own. The Instagram followers that build our kingdom of pride, the new shirt that builds our kingdom of vanity, that fancy dinner that builds our kingdom of pleasure. But in the end, it just doesn't hold up. It will always fall short because we were made for another world. We're made to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So it's not just about the external stuff, but who we are, not just the state of our doing, but the state of our being, the state of our feeling, our emotional health, our mental health, and our spiritual health. I want to read that same passage again, um, but in the message, um, because I think that Eugene Peterson, or as one of my favourite colleagues says, um, Uncle Eugene, (laughs) um, he just puts it, all of this, so much better than I can. So I'm just going to read it slowly and soak it in. Oh no. One moment. I'll get on my phone. I do know the order of the Bible, Matthew, first. All right, here we go. If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes that hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God, and you count far more to him than birds. Has anyone, by fussing in front of the mirror, ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? All this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes that much of a difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. And have you ever seen colour and design quite like it? The best, 10 best-dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, don't you think he'll attend to you, take pride in you and do his best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human needs and concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. So God doesn't care about the things of this world. He's not concerned with it. He just doesn't care. Because um, we, were we, were, we weren't made for the food on our plates, the clothes on our backs, the houses that we live in. we're made for relationship with God, we're made for his kingdom and so that needs to be our top priority. I was talking to my father-in-law Craig um, on Friday about this talk and he said something that I told him I was definitely going to have to share, he said the hardest decisions of life aren't between good and evil, it's between good and the best The hardest decisions of life aren't between good and evil, it's between good and the best. So what do we do with this? The truth is, I I don't know. Um, Because I struggle with this immensely. I don't think I realised how subtle but deadly my idolisation of comfort and control was until Benji's talk a few weeks ago, kicking off this series, um, and my time preparing this it's been uncomfortable and sobering and challenging. And the words we sung a few weeks back that we're going to sing after this as well, Christ is enough for me. were physically hard to get out because I realise that I don't always believe that and I don't always live like that is true. But it was a reminder that I would like to. So if you also would like... <laughs> to believe and live like Christ is enough for you, Um, I thought we could revisit the steps that Benj gave us um, a few weeks ago from Tim Keller. So number one, recognise your idols. Pay attention to when you need something to feel settled. I have a lot of things in my life that I think I need to feel settled. I literally have a list in my phone of things that I want New clothes, new home items, new experiences. And the list grows way faster than I tick things off it. Uh, But ticking things off it actually doesn't make me feel that much better. So there has to be something else. So think about where you spend your time, where you spend your money, where you get your joy, what's always on your mind, maybe what you worry about. Number two, repent. Reorder your life. Around Jesus. You don't have to let things go completely. You don't have to cancel the home reno or cancel your dinner plans or live in an empty house unless you genuinely feel God is calling you to those things. Um, But consider the importance of the order that you've placed those things in. What can we let go of? What can we hold on to more? And what spiritual practices can we help implement to help us? So recognize your idols, repent. And finally, replace with worship. So I'm keen to do that now, and um, you guys can come up. Um, and yeah, I sing those words. Christ is enough for me until I maybe start to believe it. Um, so yeah, let's let's do that together. Let's replace with worship together by singing words of praise and worship to our God. He's the only one who can satisfy. The one who says, "Don't worry." i 've got you, the one who says you don't have to work for the good life he's given it to us for free. Jesus, thank you that um, you don't you tell us we don't have to worry. Thank you that you've given us everything that we need in this life and help us free us from the pursuit of looking for other things to fill the U-shaped hole? Would we um, put you in the right spot in our lives, in the top spot? Would God be in the God spot of our lives? Would you help us to genuinely feel and believe and live as though you are enough for us? So this week, would you continue to challenge us, show us, um, the ways in which we we don't put you first and help us be gracious to us as we just come to you and try again amen